Hi, this is Georgina Terry. Welcome to another edition of Tea Chatter. Today I'm talking to Pat Kinane, who is the head honcho over at Fuji Bicycles. I always wanted to know what it's like to run a bicycle company. Wait a minute, I do run a bicycle company. Well, I mean a big bicycle company like Fuji. What I'm really interested in is this business of sponsoring teams. How did Fuji get into that? They started with some small teams, and now they've worked their way up to the Fuji Cervetto Pro Cycling Team. Pat Kinane has an interesting story to tell. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Pat Kinane. Thanks very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Let me let me let everybody know who you are. You are the president of a company called Advanced Sports. And correct me if I say something wrong here, but I think Advanced Sports uh, owns the brands Fuji, SE, Kestrel, and Breezer. Is that correct? That's correct. Terrific. How how long has it been since you've had Fuji? You, that's fairly recent. Well, it seems to me, but it's probably... company in 2001 as president. And since then, our sales have grown from... Seven and a half million worldwide to eighty million dollars last year worldwide, and thirty-five thousand units to two hundred fifty thousand units. Wow, that's impressive. That's fantastic. You know, I can remember my first introduction to Fuji bicycles was back in, I think it was around nineteen seventy-six, probably. And I had just gotten into bicycling in a really big way, living down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, and uh, was out with a bunch of friends. We went for a ride one day, and we stopped at uh, the local store to pick up a drink on the way. And these two guys rode up, I think, on, well, I know there were beautiful Fuji bikes, and I think they were called Fuji Road Racers. And, boy, we were just drooling. I, these bikes were basically all white, uh, totally Campagnolo, and wow. So I've had a fantastic viewpoint on Fuji ever since that encounter many years ago. Well, I think I recall working in a bike shop when you were starting your business, and Fuji followed you or attempted to follow you into the you know sizing bikes to fit women back in, I don't know when that was, 86 or 87. Right. And uh, we had a joke about that Fuji bicycle. It was the Fuji, I think it was a 450 SE was the model. And, of course, it had the 24-inch front wheel. And we called it a teriyaki. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I wasn't at Fuji then, so we didn't teriyaki back then. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit. Fuji, um, since it's come under under your control, has been really great at sponsoring uh, bicycle teams. Um can you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, I know you've, you've sponsored a women's team. You may still be doing that in the U.S. right now. But how in the world, when do you decide that that's a good move for a manufacturer to make? Because you really have to bite the bullet in terms of absorbing some expenses. But obviously it has its payoff. Well, it does. I mean, what <clears throat> the, the strategy has been from the beginning, you know, Fuji, and it's great that you said, you know, the that older model that was such a beautiful model back in 1976. Fuji entered the U.S. market as a premium brand. Really, the, it was the first Japanese brand, and it came in at the top of the market with good product value, but but also really good product. And, you know, Fuji through the 80s lost its way a little bit in terms of its distribution model and also its product development. And by the 
mid-90s, the brand was not so much represented in independent bicycle retailers, or especially bicycle retailers, but it was in uh, sports authority and, and, you know, sporting goods stores as well as bicycle retailers, and the product reflected that. So what the new owners really wanted to do was really reestablish Fuji, you know, as a performance brand. And in order to do that, um, you need to have performance product. I mean, you know this from your business. You can't sell fluff in the bicycle industry. Your product has to be real and it has to work. And, you know, in order to make sure that we had the right product, we needed it tested by the right folks. And they are people that ride professionally. They put bikes to the ultimate test. And that's our strategy. I mean, we get certainly the benefit when they win a race, but we really get the benefit in our product development. We rely heavily on their knowledge to influence our bike designs. And in the bicycle market, um, we became a premium brand, meaning that our average selling price was above the industry average in 2004. And since then, we've continued to expand the, the our average selling price above the industry average, and that's really driven by excellent product. So that's sort of in a nutshell why we do it. How many dealers does Fuji have in the U.S.? We have um, just under 1,100. Wow. That's that's a big chunk of the pie because, what, we've got about, what, 5,500, 5,000 dealers in the U.S.? It's actually it's down really to 4,200. Down to 4,200. Um, so you still got 25% of that, which isn't bad. It is. It's it's not bad, but we have a long way to go. Our market share um, is only about six percent in the United States. So our in-store market share, you know, the number of bikes that our average dealer sells is we make up fifteen to twenty percent of the the average dealer's business. Um, going back to the team sponsorship, just a little bit in, in the United States right now, which teams are you sponsoring? You still well, have a Fuji owns. Team. We have uh, Jazz Apple, which is a women's team. Um, we have Nuremberger, which is a, a professional, you know, a higher level women's team that's based in Germany. Um, they're the two women's teams that we have, and then we sponsor a lot of teams through our retailers, through our bike shops, and some women athletes. Who's Jazz Apple? Is the United States team? I, they're U.S. riders. They they may be, you know, I, I'd have to double check. They're going to be racing in Philadelphia, but their actual registration, I don't know if it's the United States or Australia. I'm not sure. So when you sponsor a team like that, like let's just take, say, Jazz Apple for an example, how many bicycles do you have to actually turn over to that team to keep everybody supplied for a year? 30, 30. for that team. Right, and, a, and and just to put that in perspective, to a, you know that compared to Fuji Cervetto, a Pro Tour team, they require 200. Wow, wow, that's amazing. But are these Fujis that they're riding just stock production Fujis that anyone can go in and buy, or are you customizing these a little bit? No, they're absolutely you know off the shelf bikes. They uh, certainly you know they they dial them in to fit them you know at a at a. More than more than the normal consumer is going to get, but the right. frame is is the same. The parts groups are the same. Um, 
what was I going to ask you? It just went right out of my head. <laughs> That's not well, good. let me, while you're thinking of it, let me yeah. tell you, in terms of the women's market especially, you know, how we get dialed into women's teams well. Yeah. Karen Bliss is our director of marketing, and she's a former professional cyclist. And she really manages the team sponsorships, and she knows the ins and outs of the sport. And I really rely on her knowledge to, to guide the company's direction for sponsorship. Um, I think, you know, Karen, from the industry, my background is more, um, you know, the business side of it and the product development side, but based on input from people that use the product. I'm just a bike commuter. <laughs> has, has this economy affected Fuji sponsorship very much? It made it more affordable. We were able to get into the Pro Tour because of the bad economy. We're ah. growing. We were up um, about 50% last year. We're up 40% this year. So, you know, we're coming into a, a bigger budget as other companies are cutting back. So it affected us, but it allowed us to, you know, step up and into the big league. Well, then let's talk a little bit about Fuji Cervetto because that's definitely the big league when you're talking about that kind of team, a pro-European team. I believe it's registered in Spain. And it is. It, it has kind of an interesting history um, because it's, it, it grew out of several prior teams. I think the one that people might know the best is what Saunier Duval, which uh, was, was racked with some doping problems and last year uh, became briefly Scott American Beef. Uh, and then I guess sure. at some at some point, Scott stepped out, Fuji stepped in, American Beef got out, Cervetto got in, which is an Italian company. How did all that happen, Pat? That's pretty cool. Well, it, it's very cool. First, the team is, is owned by Mauro Gianetti. And he, <clears throat> the way that the Pro Tour works, so maybe I can start there, is there are, um, there's 18 Pro Tour teams. Right now there may only be 17, but the way that the league is formed, there's 18 Pro Tour teams, and that's the highest level of a USA-sanctioned team. There's Pro Tour, there's Continental, and there's national teams. used to be one, two, and three, but now they, they call it the Pro Tour. And the idea behind the Pro Tour was to be able to create teams that were based in certain countries so that they could have um, a more a way for people to follow the sport better, like professional soccer or professional football or professional basketball. So the Pro Tour is a franchise, just like an NBA franchise. The 76ers is owned by a, an individual or a group of investors. Fuji Cervetto and formerly um, Scott American Beef is owned by Mauro Gianetti, who has a Pro Tour contract. So he chooses who the sponsors are, and the UCI has you know, rules for what kind of companies are acceptable sponsors and what kinds are not. For example, alcohol and tobacco are not acceptable sponsors, and you know, insurance companies and banks are acceptable sponsors. Um, so not to get too much into the detail, the Pro Tour teams are uh, the most elite of the of the registered teams in the world. Is that helpful? Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Now, did you know? Were you watching what was going on with Sonia Duval, thinking, "Boy, I'd really like to get involved in a pro team. Maybe this is going to be my chance." How did 
how did you make the connection and get Fujian? We've been trying to find a Pro Tour team since 2006, um, and and just have there's only 18 of them, so they're they're yeah. very much in demand. Um, I think what happened was the economy certainly made him looking, but we introduced um, a lot of the Pro Tour teams. We weren't ready for a Pro Tour team really until maybe last year um, because our product didn't really completely meet their demand, especially on a time trial bike. With the help of the team that we sponsored in the United States uh, for the previous two years, Toyota United, with a lot of input from them, we developed a new model that we call the D6, which is a um, time trial bike and a triathlon bike. And that actually caught the attention of some of the team directors from um, Mauro Gianetti's group, you know, formerly Scott, at the time, Scott American Beef. So they, you know, in this world, it's not so big. They knew we were looking for a team, but but they contacted us through one of our suppliers, a component supplier, and we, we sort of just quickly ramped up the negotiations and, and were able to really reach an agreement in you know, a few weeks. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> so so now tell me a little bit about what's happening with this team. I believe they rode in the Giro d'Italia. But... I just got back yesterday morning. It was ah, fantastic. Ah, what a great tour that was. And, and was a lot a of terrific tour. Americans riding over there for you to see as well, which is kind of nice. Yes, yes. Not, not just Lance Armstrong, but some really neat other people as well. But, but anyway... So now the question is, is Fuji Servetto going to be able to ride in the Tour? And I know that ASO, who, who runs the Tour de France, has huge concerns whenever they hear of any doping issues or anything like that. Um, they are like an elephant that doesn't forget for a long, long time. How is that affecting this team? Well, in a negative way. I mean, we're right now involved in a, uh, in a lawsuit um, aimed at the UCI and the ASO um, for excluding a pro tour team or pro tour team from um, several historic races. And now, I mean, we're, the Tour de France is, is in the mix and it, it really at this point doesn't look like we'll be in it or if this is being aired during the Tour de France that we are in it. So, mm-hmm. but we are fighting to be in it because we're fighting for our rights and for the rights of the team. Um, the whole concept of the pro tour team is to, um, you know, help and benefit the sport. And while the ASO, you know, has legitimate concerns about, you know, their race and their ownership of it and the teams that are in it, um, agreements were signed between the UCI and the Pro Tour and the race organizers that Pro Tour teams would be in the historic and um, and in the races that count toward the point system. And by not being allowed in a major event, we're at a real disadvantage in points, which puts the team ownership at a disadvantage in attracting additional money for future year sponsorship because the team's worth as well as it does. And, you know, we're working hard. We want to work with them because we're part of this industry and part of the sport. But at the same time, we want to protect our, our rights and our investments. Yeah, that's got to be incredibly frustrating. How is it that the Giro d'Italia has no problem with the team riding? Um, well, they they did have a problem, and 
we were able to um, fix that relationship and get into that race. But they were involved in the original part of the lawsuit um, through the UCI. So their approach for it was different. I don't really want to get into the details of it mm -hmm. because we were happy to be involved in the Giro, and it was really a fantastic showcase for the team. Yeah, I saw the, the Fuji boys at the head of the pack a couple of times. It was great. Yeah, it was fun. They won two of the sprints uh, my first day in the in the chase car, so it was it was exciting on Saturday. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! What about uh, the Tour of Spain? Is that a go or no go? You know, I, I, I am not sure if if that is or not. Um, I can sort of double check that. I don't know. We're <laughs> we're focused. I'm focused on the Tour de France because it's such a historic and important race. Right. Right. But the Velta is also owned by the ASO, at least in part. Yeah. So th that one's up in the air um, there. I know we're, we're in the Tour de Suisse. The Tour de Suisse um, we we're in the Tour Down Under. So it's really the ASO that is, um, is the most powerful you know, other organization besides the UCI um, that, that's got a vote. Um. Does it look like Fuji Cervetto will be continuing into 2010 right now? Or is it still uh, the team now? will because the Pro Tour license extends. I mean, uh -huh. I don't know that we'll be able to maintain <laughs> our um, status as the name sponsor. Um, and and in some ways, we don't. that's not as important as continuing the relationship with the team. If they can get, you know, a large sponsor, um, you know, that can bring a lot more money to the team, then the team will be able to attract, um, you know, some top, top riders. We right. don't have a top, top rider now. We've got a great young squad, and a few experienced cyclists, um, but, you know, they need a bigger budget for um, for other riders. The, the foundation of the team, the mechanics, and the that part, it is very, very strong. So they can attract through their organization top riders, but they need a bigger budget. Let me just, uh, speaking about budgets and bicycles, I think you mentioned that uh, Fuji's contributed about 200 bicycles as part of the sponsorship uh, to this team. So so what's it like? I mean, do you ever get a call in the middle of the night saying, oh, my Lord, we crashed all the time trial bikes. <laughs> Quick, can you get more out here? Or is it, here are the 200 bikes, good luck? Is it no, there's a real, real, real strong interaction with with the team, um, and there are, you know, we're we're in the process of of getting them a 2010 model to, you know, test for us in races before we release it to the public, and you know, <clears throat> it, it got stuck at a port and missed a race. So there's all <laughs> sorts of things like that. Fortunately, they're not calling me. Um, they're calling Karen and her staff, uh, and then they're trying to coordinate with the shipping companies to get them stuff when they need it. To clarify, we actually only supply the frame and the fork. The team has other sponsors that we work closely with to supply the other parts for the bikes. So we work together, but the calls in the middle of the night for the derailers are going to SRAM, so the saddles <laughs> are going to Pro logo, you know, they go to whoever has those parts. So our 
our um, commitment is is for the frames, and then they choose the parts that that they need to have. And and those other suppliers are very active in learning from them on the um, product development side, just like we are. So, um, I mean, to give you an example, Oval, which is a product line that we didn't use in the past that we probably will in the future is their handlebar and stem supplier and you know through through watching them work with the team we realized that these guys make a product that's absolutely fantastic that offers great fit advantages which you know I, certainly something I wasn't aware of before well it, it sounds like it's really incredible I mean I can only imagine what it would be like to sponsor a team like that, not not just in terms of going to the races, but getting that kind of feedback and then being able to react to it and make it show up in a product several months down the road and bring it to the consumer, you know, because that's that's really what it's all about. It's it, you got a great life, Pat. You really do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Georgina. Well, listen, I think we should wrap this up because we've covered quite a lot today, and I hope that the people who've listened to it have enjoyed it. I know I certainly have, and I'm going to be watching that Fuji Sorvetto team, and I hope that they are racing right now in the Tour de France. Well, so, so do I, and if I'm there, look for me in the chase car. If they're there, I'll be there at, for one or two days for sure. So Great. It'll be well, fun. And, and everyone knows this there. is... <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, and, Georgina, if you want to come down to Philadelphia, we'll get you in a car. We've got five teams in the Philadelphia race this weekend. And oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. If it weren't such short notice, I'd probably take you up on that, but I will next year for sure. It'd be great. Great. Thanks again, Pat. All right. Thanks, Georgina. 